Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Today, we continue our series of That One Play with one of the iconic plays in Ravens history. It's one I always think of when I think about this particular game. And in fact, if you have certain plays you like to start the game on, this is one for me that if I'm watching the recording again, I'll usually just go directly to this point in the fourth quarter, start watching the game from this point, because this is kind of the beginning of a, of a great comeback. But uh, here to talk to me about it is Brandon Croxton. Brandon, how are you doing? Hey, Ken. It's great to see you. Uh, uh, great to have you on, too, Brandon. And Brandon, uh, let me know in the production meeting. He went to Gilman. I went to McDonough. They're arch rivals in Baltimore, If you, if you, for folks who don't know that. Uh, but uh, Brandon was a defensive lineman, and he also played with Marquise Douglas, which is pretty cool. Oh, yes, that's right. Correct. I played, I, uh, played with Yes, I played at Howard University with Marcus Douglas, and um, we are uh, we we lost contact. We haven't spoken in years, but I was a big fan, obviously, when he was there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, ten year, eleven uh, year career in the NFL from two thousand to to two thousand and ten. Really uh, uh, made the most out of what he was. Big tackle for loss machine, very disruptive interior defender. That was a that was a good player for the Ravens, particularly in 03 and 04 When you when you go back and watch that, but Brandon. We're here to talk about uh, uh, it's just a wonderful game. The Seattle uh, win over Seattle, forty-four to forty-one in overtime in two thousand three. Incredible seventeen-point com- comeback that started with about seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Do you want to kind of want to set up maybe the maybe the situation coming into the game? Sure. Yes. Um, this is back in two thousand three. Um, the Ravens were actually on a two-game losing streak. They were going into the game at uh, five and five record. And playoffs were looking very dim that that uh, going into this game. And um, during the game, it was it got even worse. We we really were kind of in a bizarre world in this game. Uh, the offense had scored 24 points um, through three quarters, and the Ravens back then that signals a, a two score victory back mm-hmm. then with the way our defense played. But um, Matt Hasselbeck absolutely shredded our defense to bits and threw over 300 yards and five touchdowns that day. And uh, we found ourselves down 41-24 halfway through the fourth quarter. And um, leading up to that play, um, the Ravens had what I kind of call a waving the white flag punt um, where they punted the ball away to Seattle with about a little about about eight minutes left in the game. And um, Seattle actually fumbled the ball, the ball knocked off of uh, one of the um, special teams men and Baltimore recovered. And so it was obviously a, yeah, our, 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 what I would say, like our last chance to get back in this game and but, um yep. what what i really remember right. about that punt and the way it was fumbled it went off right off the top of the head of one of the one of the receiving players and then i think joe Maiassi might have been the guy who who covered it up and uh and anyway the, the ravens had another chance and then was jamal lewis fumbled the ball right back right yes very next play jamal lewis fumbles the ball away and this is where 
half the stadium just started get it got up and started walking out and including my grandfather who was with me that day he slammed his program down and just walked out and it's like there goes the playoffs and I, I was right there with him but I decided to stay a little bit longer and you know see if a, a miracle could happen and so um very next uh series um the the defense stopped um Seattle for a punt and Ed Reed um came off the right side of the defense left side of the punt team and went straight up field and did a great swim move on the um Max Strong who was the fullback on and he was the tight end on the on the position blocked the punt and picked it up and scored a touchdown it was absolutely you know crazy crazy play incredible play there's, there's two things i really remember about it the first is reed has an amazing get off on the play he just he's he's out of his stance like a shot and one of the things that that they came back to, and they might have even said it on this broadcast, or it might have been another one of his punt blocks, was that Reed really focused on the opposing center. He says, the center has any kind of a hitch, you know, I own him. And and basically, he, he, he could get off right at the snap. And it makes it very difficult, obviously, to, to, to stop if he's got that extra half step. As you know, as a defensive lineman, if you can anticipate the snap, what, what kind of an advantage you have. Um, the second was that Reed actually seemed to kind of bait the man who is closest to him uh, into thinking he could make the tackle by kind of cutting back towards him by the goal line, which to me was very strange, but, uh, but I say Ed Reed was kind of just showboating a little bit at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Like um, him scoring on that play was a mere formality. I mean, the ball practically stuck in his chest after he blocked it. It, it, Like you can barely even see if it actually hit the ground. And, and he picked it up and strolled right back in. And um, yeah, I, I'm kind of curious. I I couldn't find it online, but because um, I, I don't think they were really tracking it there. But I mean, the win probability for Seattle before that play was probably in the high 90s. And I, I can't imagine even that play was uh, that, you know, they were probably still at least in the 80s uh, after that play because even after that point, the Ravens were still down 10 with about six and a half minutes to go and they're getting ready to kick off back to Seattle. So it, it, it was, it was at the absolutely turning point of that game, but you know, in the grand scheme of that whole, whole game, I can't imagine it being, you know, that, that much of a turning point. I rarely have, other people come on this show who want to quote win probability with the exception of Dan Reese, who's my by the numbers partner. But it is very fascinating that that you say that because I, I think it, you're probably right. Probably 99 to 91 maybe was the kind of change they had uh, on that, on that play. They may even have it, you know, where it may have it is, is pro football reference may have an approximation for it. You, know, you don't have to trust their model, but, but they may have an approximation for it. That would be something but you know the play that probably was the big turn was probably the pass interference call uh i don't even think the fourth and 28 would have done it because the ravens still had to get the ball back after it after the stop could be the fourth and one stop in that game might where orlando brown was on the field that could have been also another one but uh uh I, i think probably the pass interference call was the big swing and win probability if i if i had to guess yeah, I I would guess so. Yeah, that was there was just such a comedy of errors in order for the Ravens to come back and win that game. But this was a play that 
it's you know it's it was was the catalyst of of it all yeah i agree i mean it wouldn't have happened without reed getting it started like this but i i I, it's this is a game where i expected i've and you're the first one who's actually picked some play from it but i was expecting there to be probably four or five plays that people could take from this game i think there are about 15 big turning point plays in this game when you when you talk about it but the you know the punt that gets fumbled off the head would be one even though it didn't really lead to it the um the strip by ray lewis of max strong uh on on a force fumble immediately after adalis thomas had had that penalty to give him a first down that looked like that was going to close the game out Mm -hmm. so we had that yeah Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. i I don't want to save big on your memorial day barbecue all in the kroger app Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I don't want to hog this, but go ahead. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, one of the things that rewatching the game was, and I think this is, this had to have been an error by the referee. So mm-hmm. um, it was right before that uh, the fourth and one Hasselbeck play. The the um, the referees called um, a illegal substitution on Seattle, and then they waved off the penalty. Now at that point, the the Ravens didn't have any more timeouts. So I mean without that penalty, I think they probably should have reset the play clock and let reset the game clock to let it run down, but they didn't re they let the game clock stop, stay stopped. And that was another big play that I, I, I don't remember if they said anything after the game about, Oh, they did. It was an error <laughs> over the refs, but okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, Holmgren was coaching Seattle at the time. He was furious about it at the time, but that is one of those, one of those places as well. You could, you could point to as being the, I think that was on something on second and four or something that's set up third and one. So yeah, it was second and four. And then right. Sean Alexander ran for three yards on the play. The play stopped and they, you know, went back and forth on this, and then they reset the football. They didn't start the clock, and Seattle's calling in real time for wait a minute, start the clock here, kind of thing. And you know, uh, Hasselbeck didn't want to go to the line of scrimmage, uh, and Holmgren was talking to him about it, but he didn't talk about it until after the next play. So I don't know if he, you know, if there was some, there wasn't any challenge component to it. I mean, this is just misofficiating and, and probably unchallengeable anyway. But uh, after the fact, you know, one of the things I really liked about what home grenade did is you know they lost that game in a lot of ways and you could point to to that as the reason they lost the game but you're much better off taking the high road both for your own fans and your own team but but also for the rest of the league in terms of uh, of how that went it would have been a um it was an ugly black mark anyway on officiating in the national football league but uh but it was an interesting uh it, it was it was nice to see him take the high road right yeah yeah it was uh, yeah and they had the fourth and one stop. They then they had the fourth and twenty-six conversion. Fourth and twenty-six, yeah. fourth and twenty-eight, whichever it was. It's, so let me, yeah, let me take it. Was, yeah, I think it was fourth and twenty-eight. And yep. um because it was one one less shorter than hey diddle diddle, Ray Rice up the middle. <laughs> and um and and it was just a mini Hail Mary. Um Marcus Robinson, who 
had the monster four touchdown game that day. Uh, Anthony Wright throws it up to him. He tips it and Frank Sanders uh, catches the, the ricochet. And I think he managed to get out of bounds too on that play. Mm-hmm. I, I can't remember, but um, yeah. And, you know, just an incredible, incredible play right there. Yep, it was that. That was at the two-minute warning, and uh, and he mm-hmm. he got out with one fifty-one left, so it had to be an out of bounds there because they wouldn't have had time to snap that. That's my recollection too. But uh, you know, Frank Sanders is not remembered much, and because he didn't do much for the Ravens, he, he had his whole career basically in Arizona. When he came here, I think it might have been about his third catch of the year, but it was relatively early in the season. He had his, I want to say it was his 500th career catch, and he'd had three of them or seven of them or whatever it was with the Ravens. And and they announced it. It was during a home game. I have never been more underwhelmed by a moment. And I know it's, it was important to him, probably. Know the whole audience here. It's like, you don't need to tell us about, yeah, yeah, about Frank yeah. Sanders. I, I, I vaguely remember that, but yeah, <laughs> like, um, yeah, Frank, yeah, he, you know, he spent his whole career elsewhere, so he was very new to the team. And it, it, this wasn't like Steve Smith or Anquan coming over here towards the end of their careers. He was, you know, he he wasn't nearly that that type of player. And yeah, um, yeah. but I mean, yeah, I, I think it was good that they uh, recognized that for him, though. Anyway, the the, uh, the the pass interference call on Marcus Trufant was a was a cutoff play one you rarely see called, but they they called it at the end of that game, and I I think legitimately he was trying to cut off to, uh, to Marcus Robinson, Marcus Robinson, uh, but he but he uh, uh, you know it's one of those plays they knew exactly who they're going for, and 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 Seattle had not had a lot of, of success stopping Marcus Robinson this game, and then. That set up the field goal. Then in overtime, Marcus Robinson came back and converted a third and fifteen, I believe it was, right? Third and third and yeah. a lot, anyway. Yeah, it was it was it was a big it was a big play. And it, it again, it just just so many clutch plays in that. I mean, on a third down, too, because you know, they're probably punting the ball back to Seattle and Seattle could go down, and kick a field goal. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. And he just a huge play and a huge throw by Anthony Wright. He yeah. he won a lot of people over, including me that day. Even though I should have known better. <laughs> over, An- over the Anthony Wright or Marcus there. Robinson? Anthony Robinson. Wright. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, was a, it was an interesting game. Like he couldn't he couldn't speak in complete sentences after the game, which was interesting. His wife was going to labor. A lot of lot of confluence yeah. of events coming into uh, uh, his life at that point. But he led the Ravens down the stretch. They went. I think they went five and one with him to make the playoffs. Yeah. And unfortunately, they they uh, they didn't get it done in that first round against McNair, despite a very game effort for the defense. But uh, I remember that 2003 team very fondly still. Yeah, me too. I I think that 03 defense behind the 2000, it's right up there with the best um, of all time. Um, like I I consider the 03, 06, and uh, 08 defenses yep. probably the best after those after the 2000 and. Yeah, I mean, I mean that team was absolutely loaded. That was Ray, Ray Lewis's uh, second defensive player of the year. Um, Ed Reed's first uh, Pro Bowl. Um, Ed Reed's my all-time favorite Raven, so mm-hmm. I'm very fond of him and that play and um, that game. Um, Gary Baxter was a really good second corner. Yep. McAllister's first Pro Bowl. Um, yeah, it was you know my my buddy Marcus Douglas is. You know, he was a very solid defensive lineman. So, yeah, 
he had a big role on that line and on the 04 team as well. He had 10 sacks combined but between those two years, which was it's, that's a lot for an interior defensive lineman if as you know we know from mm-hmm. from today's game, 21 tackles for loss, but he was always a reestablished line of scrimmage kind of guy. Do you know Marcus is more of a a, a penetrator or more of a two gap player who could hold his ground even I'm not going anywhere kind of guy. Yeah. He was a he was a penetrator. He was a three he was a three, uh, three tech in college. And uh, I mean, he just was absolutely explosive, um, throughout, uh, you know, every, every season that he was there. Um, he was two time MEAC defensive player of the year and he was, you know, best, best defensive lineman that I've ever seen in person or in college at all. Um, and yeah, he was, you know, he was, a, had a really solid career for an undrafted free agent. We'll, we'll have to make sure we tag him on this show, and hopefully you guys can reconnect after this, but that's uh, that's very cool. Uh, Brandon, absolutely love having you on for this. Great discussion, all kinds of great theory and thought going with it. I appreciate all the research you clearly did going into this. Tell folks if they're interested in talking football with you online where they can do that. Well, I'm not really on Twitter or anything like that, but I am a season ticket holder. I'm in Section 106, so you can uh, – Always come and visit me right there. All right. Fair enough. Brandon, thanks for coming on. Other folks out there, if you'd like to do a, a, a show in this series of that one play, hit me up with a DM on Twitter. They're always open. I'll be interested to get right back to you in terms of what your idea is. Brandon, thanks again for coming on. Thank you. It was great, uh, great to talk to you. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.